This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, that was fun. Again, two in a row, the Flames come back in the third period. Unprecedented for this team all season long until the last two games. And we've got some fun in store for the Calgary Flames and their fans this week. Two of the biggest games of the season, uh, back-to-back, starting tomorrow against Chicago, then in Winnipeg. And we've got two back-to-back great guests today, Rick Ball and Ryan Leslie, going to be joining me to uh, just break down everything Calgary Flames right now. There's nothing else to talk about in this city right now other than the Flames. So let's get to our first guest right away, joining us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, Rick Ball. How are you, my friend? Eric, I'm terrific. How are you? Good, man. Hey, how fun was that last night? It was a fun game. It was a fun game in Vancouver on Friday as well. You know, similar kind of games in terms of the way the scoring went. thought the Flames were much better in Vancouver in their overall play and really deserved to win that game. We were unfortunate to be behind. It was a bit of a different story against Anaheim. They uh, were pretty sluggish out of the gates, fell behind 2 nothing. stormed back in the second, as we know and fell behind again. Uh, so that one was a little more of a slog in terms of the way they played, but they got better as the game went on and ultimately did what they had to do and put two points in the back pocket. So to see this team come back from deficits after the second period for the first time twice in a row in the uh, entire season, couldn't come at a better time for a team that probably deserved a few breaks in that area over the course of the year. They get a couple in the last couple of games, and they're still right there with uh, five games left. Totally up in the air, and it should make for, for a really exciting finish to the season. Yeah, I mean, this is this is unexpected. Let's be honest. I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago, especially when they fell behind, I think as many as six points, you, you kind of thought by this time we're writing the obituary, we're talking about next year, what's going to happen with tree living, what's going to happen with the coach, all that. This is, I don't want to say bonus territory, but it sure is unexpected to me. How optimistic do you think fans should be? Because I think there is quite a lot of optimism right now. Well, the schedule definitely weighs in their favor. Winnipeg's schedule isn't that tough, but it's tougher than Calgary's. But the Jets have put together a couple of big wins. And, you know, it's all going to come down to that game on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I think if the Flames, even if they don't win tomorrow night against Chicago, I mean, you can't look past the Blackhawks. And that's been an issue with the Flames this season. Some (laughs) of the weaker sisters of the league have come into town and, Calgary maybe is focusing on the next opponent after that, and uh, they get caught a little bit. So uh, let's focus on first things first. That's Chicago tomorrow. But um, whichever way that game goes, I think the the remainder of the season will hinge on that game against Winnipeg on Wednesday. So um, that's going to be must-see TV for sure. Um, the Jets, you know, will be highly motivated. They will not have played until that game since uh, they won yesterday. So they'll have a little extra time off and maybe be a little fresher than Calgary, who has to go back-to-back and will be playing three and four. But um, no excuses this time of the year, right? These are essentially playoff games for Calgary and for Winnipeg, for that matter. And I would expect that game to have the intensity of a playoff game. What did you? Uh, I think we were all shocked when Markstrom came out of the game after the first period, and, and Vladar was in. I wasn't. You weren't. No. Tell me we why, because I'm s- during the break. Well, only because not that Markstrom was bad in the first period, but he has played a ton of hockey. The mm-hmm. team looked flat. Markstrom had played a ton. They were down 2 nothing. I thought it was a perfect chance to get Vladar in there against a team that he played well against on back-to-back nights in that last California trip when they won 5-1 in Anaheim. Um, and give Markstrom a break. Save him for the next, uh, you know, at least one of the next. Um, and so it didn't totally shock me, uh, other than the fact that Daryl is sometimes reluctant to make that change. But mm-hmm. uh, I just think under those circumstances, and again, really not casting aspersions on Markstrom so much as it was uh, just the circumstances of that game and the fact that the team needed to wake up a little bit. So um, it didn't totally shock me, um, at least less so than you guys who clearly were a bit surprised by it because we were talking up in the broadcast booth during the break that maybe that's a thing that might happen, and sure enough, it did. Yeah, it's funny because oftentimes I, I, I do have a pretty good feel for whether or not at least they should be considering it. This one I never even thought of, a, of it as a possibility. But what to me what it does is, you know, I think it was about – 15 games ago, it was pretty clear to me that Sutter had kind of made it clear to me that he was maybe going to play Markstrom every single game from now to the end of the season with the exception of maybe the odd back-to-back. But to me, now that you've taken him out, gotten him a little more rest than you probably thought, I would not be surprised at all if he played back-to-back these next two nights. Would you? 
wouldn't shock me, but it also wouldn't shock me if they put Vladar in tomorrow night and say Markstrom for Winnipeg, give him a full couple of days off and really two and a half days because he only played the first period against uh, Anaheim last night. So, you know, I wonder if the plan was to play Vladar all along against Chicago. And if that's the case, I think they might still stick with it. But mm-hmm. the other option, which is yours, which is play Markstrom, both games wouldn't surprise me. Either. I just think, I, I thought Markstrom, and I don't blame him. I mean, what's he played 15, started 15 or 16, played yeah. in 16 to the last 17. Like he's played a ton, right? And even for goalies younger than he is, that's a lot of work. And I thought we saw maybe a few signs of fatigue in Vancouver in that game. And he gives up two. Uh, against Anaheim, and I thought that was probably the right move to get him out of there, especially if you're going to play him back to back. But even if you're not, I think maybe getting him a, uh, the last couple, let him, letting him have the last two periods came off uh, was strategically a good move, not just for that game in terms of waking up the team, but also for him specifically going into uh, the most critical games of the year. And I, I think it's important to note, and I'm I, I'm wondering if you feel the same way, but you know I don't think anyone, including the coach, was hanging that one on Markstrom last night. Like he made. No a save on that breakaway that, that, you know, in essence prevented this game from getting to three, nothing and completely out of reach. But so uh, I, I think he just, there were signs of fatigue that you noticed, maybe this coach noticed, and, and it was probably just a time for a change more than anything else for the sake of change. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think probably the signs of fatigue go back more to the Vancouver game mm-hmm. um, than, than the game against Anaheim, but under the circumstances, the team, a little flat, uh, against a team near the bottom of the league. It made a lot of sense in, in, on multiple levels to make that change. And um, obviously it worked. I mean, you know, they fight back, take the league. Vladar uh, wasn't exactly lights out for the final two periods, but he did enough to help them get the win. So that's the most important thing. And I, you know, I don't know if the plan changes at all. Like if the plan was to play Vladar against Chicago, um, I would stick with it. I think, you know, uh, uh, he, he gives you a, 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 you know, they have a good chance to win against Chicago with either goaltender in the net. That gives another night off to uh, Jacob Markstrom and save him for the most important game against Winnipeg on Wednesday. Fair enough. I wouldn't argue. I would do, but, but, I, I, but, but either, either one wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Nor, nor would either one be wrong. So uh, it'll be, uh, we'll have to see, uh, uh, I guess just before, well, after, during morning skate, we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, we're talking to Rick Ball, play by play man for Sportsnet, Calgary Flames. Uh, I uh, I should offer up a little bit of breaking news for, for people. I just put this out on Twitter just before the show started. I was down at the Dome today. The Flames were off, um, but there were just a handful of guys that were skating. And one of those guys skating, Chris Tanev, which is very, very big news for a lot of fans. Uh, there have been some rumors floating around that maybe they would even be shutting him down for the season. That's the extent of the injury that he's dealing with, That and we obviously don't know any of the details on it. Um, then I'd also heard whispers that he might be back as, as early as next game. The fact that he skated today doesn't mean he's going to play tomorrow, but it's probably pretty good news uh, for Flames fans when they hear that because, as you know, he's as important a player as this roster has. If anything, it suggests the rumblings that maybe his season's done were premature. Right. If anybody's yeah. going to play through an injury, uh, it's going to be Chris Tanner. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the other thing, Eric, I was thinking about this last night, you know, we've seen Dennis Gilbert step in when Tanev got hurt and do a good job. Michael Stone comes back last night, scores a gigantic goal for the game winner. They've been on a run here without Chris Tanev, which, you know, Shocking. earlier in the season when he wasn't playing, they were in trouble. So the fact that they've won four in a row and they've got points, what, in now 11 of the last 13 games, I think, or 10 of whatever it is, they, you know, and they've done it six in a row now without number eight in the lineup is uh, even more impressive. So if they can get him back in, that's only going to make things better for the Flames because he's an absolute rock back there on the blue line when he's in the lineup. And no pun intended when you say rock and you talk about Stone coming back last night, this (laughs) is a guy who obviously played the hero last night after missing 20 games. He scores the game winner. It's great news, obviously, for the Flames that he's back in the lineup. It, Dennis Gilbert comes out. And I know fans like Dennis Gilbert, but you know, this time of year you want, you know, your big boys all in the lineup. If Chris Tanev is ready to come back in, and theoretically, you know, obviously Stone would stay in the lineup, that would mean Troy Stetcher would come out. It, it's a nice problem to have. It's nice to have choices, but this guy's really growing on Flames fans. And like with that spinorama he had last night, and you know, I think the goal was originally credited to him, or it looked like it was him until we found out that Nick Ritchie had deflected it. He's having a, a pretty good run for the Flames as well, isn't he? Uh, I'd be really surprised if it was Stetcher who came out. If you think they'd Tanev pull Stone out? Back. Yep. Is that That'd right? Be my guess. 
Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of Michael Stone, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think Stetcher gives them something back there they don't have as much of, and that is the ability to make confident uh, passes out of the zone and when need be skated out with confidence. So, you know, that's the reason they went on and got him. They never really had anybody like that. I mean, Oliver Shillington was that guy. And uh, obviously we know he hasn't played all season long. So um, they needed to add that element. And I would be shocked if he was the guy who came out. But, um, you know, I, I could be wrong. I just think that he's proven that he's a valuable asset and gives them something they don't have as much of in terms of, uh, skill set on the blue line. Yeah, well, there, there's an interesting debate over the next couple of days for Logan and everybody else who's going to be talking about it. Do you, would you pull Stetcher or would you pull Stone out of the lineup? And hopefully, that's a, a problem that the, the or not a problem, but it's a uh, it's a debate that the coaching staff can have if Tanev is indeed available as soon as uh, tomorrow night's game against Chicago. Okay, I was one of the questions I wanted to throw your way is is the difference of late really just puck luck? And and I, I say that because, you know, last night I think they hit the, the iron a couple times as well. But the game-winning goal to go off the post and in as opposed to off the post and out, which it's done so much this year. I got the stat last night from our stats crew at uh, Sportsnet. Flames are second in the league in posts and crossbars with 77. Only the Kraken have more at 79. Uh, I, I don't think that's surprising news to anyone who's seen this team and feels like they've just had a ton of bad luck this year. Yeah, I mean, there's also the old cliche about, you know, good luck being the residue of hard work. And I'm not suggesting the Flames haven't been working hard, but it does seem that they've had their share of breaks go against them this season. I just look at their record in overtime and shootouts, which is essentially a crapshoot, right? You think mm-hmm. that most teams just based on um, statistical odds would be around 500 in those games, and yet to be as far below um, in those games when they're certainly capable of getting there, not being able to at least be 500 in shootouts and in overtime, as a bit of a head scratcher and would lean maybe towards some bad breaks than anything else. But over the course of eight, hockey is an interesting sport, Eric. I don't know if you feel the same way as I do, but there's an element of randomness to hockey that almost no other sport has, right? And that's just the nature of the game. Um, however, having said that, over the course of a season, um, those things tend to even out. Breaks, that is, and uh, the better teams are going to rise to the top and the weaker ones will fall to the bottom. So uh, we, we were joking on the air in Vancouver when the Flames – um, had come back and tied it up in the third period that maybe this is the first game they're going to win when trailing after two. And, you know, and, and I think Greg Miller made the comment about the hockey gods owe them one. And, you know, at some point it's, you know, clearly, again, it's not that they aren't capable of coming back to win when down by two. The fact that it hadn't happened, eventually it becomes a head thing as well, right? Mm-hmm. As much between the years as anything else. But the fact that they've done it two in a row now, in terms of confidence is a bonus. But um, you're right, they've had their share of bad breaks this season, but sure if you go through every team's games, if you watched every team in the NHL, as much as we watch the Calgary Flames, because that's the team we cover on a daily, we'd have tons of bad breaks. We talk about those teams too. So, um, you know, they are where they are in the standings and time to make some good breaks happen over the course of the last five games and try and steer this thing home to a playoff spot. What would you say to someone who says, you know, this is all fine and dandy. They're, they sure look like they've got momentum and, and confidence. Those are two words two ingredients that they haven't had much of this season, if we're going to be honest about it. And, 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 and they look good and they have confidence and it's growing. But what would you say to someone who says, yeah, but guess what? You know, three of these four wins are really against three of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, San Jose, uh, Anaheim, and, uh, and Vancouver. And I know Vancouver's been playing better of late. But, you know, is there do you buy that argument at all that, hey, they're struggling just to beat the worst teams in the league. They're really not that good. Um, you play who you play, right? I mean, there are no free spaces on the bingo card in the NHL. I mean, I, you can go through, and the Chicago's the worst team in the league, and I know the Flames have lost to them too, but I'm sure they've beaten a bunch of good teams in the National Hockey League this season. And, um, you know, it's, it, the league's never been better in terms of the gap between the best teams and the worst teams, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because of the salary cap, right? There's just the, the, the days of, uh, of there being such a massive gap in talent are long gone. So, yeah, some teams are are, you know, putting young guys in and playing up the string, hoping to get Connor Bedard in the draft lottery and all that stuff. But every time you step on the ice, they're going to put 20 great players, 18 skaters and two goaltenders out there. Uh, and I don't care if you're the Chicago Blackhawks or the Boston Bruins. Uh, when they play each other, the talent gap is not as big as it was, you know, before the salary cap era. So um, that's a long-winded way of suggesting. I don't, I, I don't put any 
like the fact that they had to struggle to beat Anaheim. Vancouver has been rolling. I mean, they've mm-hmm. been scoring a ton of goals. So don't, you know, it's going to be a tough game on Saturday in Vancouver again, too. That's a team that, even though now they're officially eliminated from playoff contention, although it wasn't going to happen, you know, mathematically, it was still realistic. Now it's not, but um, you know, they're playing some good hockey as of late, trying to impress a new coach. And oftentimes those teams that are out of it are playing so loosey goosey with no pressure on them. Those games can almost be harder. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Last night, they didn't play very well. I'm more looking at how Calgary played. I thought they played a great game against Vancouver. That score, like the score in that game was not indicative at all oh, yeah. uh, of the of, of the actual play on the ice. Calgary dominated that game. Uh, last night, not so much. So that's a little more concerning than the Vancouver game, uh, but they got the win, and that's really, in my mind, the only thing that matters. And I would expect they look great tomorrow night against Chicago. And in terms of intensity and, and, uh, and play, I, like I said, I think Wednesday's game against Winnipeg will feel – and look just like a playoff game, and that'll be terrific to watch. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well put. I, I, uh, it's Eric Francis show. We do this every Monday from noon to one o'clock here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. We're talking to Rick Ball, and uh, we're setting up, of course, the game tomorrow against Chicago. When last we saw the Chicago Blackhawks, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, they weren't. They didn't have Patrick Kane. He hadn't been traded, but he just wasn't in the lineup, uh, and they still beat the Flames. And I think they beat the Flames in both occasions. So far this season, any idea how that's happening? Why that's happening? Yeah, that's back when the Flames were, you know, suffering from a real lack of consistency. So, uh, you know, it's basically the same question that we just talked about. They've lost a bunch of games against cellar dwellers this season. Uh, that if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to look back and say that's, you know, mm-hmm. we blew it. Think about that game uh, against Anaheim, the last one on home ice, right? Uh, well, they didn't play very well and lost that game through one. They go back to Anaheim a short time later and, and, and blast them 5-1. They win last night. But there's been a lot of nights where you go, that's a team they should be. But it gets back to what I said. There are no easy outs in the NHL anymore. Um, and there's lots of examples of really good teams losing uh, to uh, teams that on paper aren't nearly as good. So it's just the, just the way it goes. Those games, you, you know, they're done. You can't worry about them now. Uh, but, um, you know, Chicago, they're, they're in a tailspin right now. They lost again bad the other night to New Jersey. They dropped eight straight, all in regulation. Um, you know, they got rid of, of Kane. You know, Taves is back now, but he's centering their fourth line. He's not – he's a shell of his former self. They're mm-hmm. playing a bunch of young guys on the blue line. Um, so, you know, it, you know, even though I, I, it's, it's never easy to win in the National Hockey League, the Flames, if they put the t- kind of effort they put on the ice, especially against Vancouver on Friday night, uh, they should win easy tomorrow. But having said that, that's why you play. You never know. So speaking of you never know, and that's why they play, if you squint hard enough, can you see a scenario where Seattle can be caught in this playoff race? Because if, if you look at the standings right now, and I think a lot of people are surprised when they look at it, is Flames are at 87, Winnipeg's at 89, Seattle's at 90, albeit with two games in hand. Any chance that the... the Fall from grace that people have been predicting with Seattle all year long actually can happen? Yeah, it could. The only thing is their schedule is they've got Arizona three times at home and (laughs) Chicago. um, And I think they play Vancouver as well. Let me just talk to Canucks, certainly a little tougher out. They've got Vegas twice, but uh, to catch Seattle, you need them to lose. They've got what? Just looking at their schedule here now. They've got uh, seven games left, so they've got the two in hand that you mentioned. Flames have five. You, you need Calgary to win out and Seattle to lose five of their seven. If I'm, yeah. not, I'm doing the math right. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems unlikely, but uh, not impossible. Stranger things have happened, but uh, the fact that uh, uh, you know that Arizona's coming up three times in, in the last seven games and two of them in Seattle would suggest that they're in pretty good shape. So, but there's definitely a possibility, and that would be interesting. I mean, there, there's a possibility based on that that both Winnipeg and Calgary get into the playoffs potentially. Yeah. Right? And Seattle winds up being the odd man out. But that's that's a little bit of a long shot, I would think. It's a bit of a reach. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw it out there because I think it is surprising that they've, you know, they've struggled of late. So that's uh that's something people had seen coming for a while. Okay. Matthew Coronado. Uh I, I, I think the hue and cry to get him in a game has kind of died down and people are just focused on this team trying to get into the playoffs. Are you with me uh when I say that there's zero chance this kid's getting into a an NHL game this season if the games are still meaning, meaningful right up until the end. Uh, you're right. Okay. And you yeah, agree I with mean, that? I, like, I, 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 I 100% agree with it, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I mean, I, I'd love to see the kid in the lineup, and the second 
if the Flames are no longer in playoff contention, the second that that happens, put them in. 100%. Um, but until that happens, it, obviously if it doesn't happen, then you don't. Or maybe they're in the playoffs and they play a game at the end of the season they don't need to win and then put them in potentially. But, um, uh, but any circumstance beyond that, like as long as there is still a question mark whether or not they're going to get in or out, you keep playing the lineup that you've been playing for the most part and keep the veterans in and, you know, and, and Coronado may have to wait till next year. And that's, you know, no knock on him, but uh, to stick an unproven rookie right out of the college ranks into a must-win game seems like a crazy thing to do uh, under any circumstances, and especially with Daryl Sutter. Yeah, exactly. Good point. I was going to add that for sure. He's he's the last coach in the league who would want to do that. And yeah, you know, it's just, and and I I don't blame him. I think most coaches would do the same thing. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to understand, like, you know, the, the whole, not that fans care, but, you know, the first year of his contract, is burned already. So it's not like he has to get a game in for that for the contract to kick in. He's already spent his, you know, for cap purposes, uh, you know, he spent that first year in the NHL. Yeah, no he's burned what. a year in his rookie deal, so he's closer to free agency, right, by a year, right. regardless of whether or not he plays. Now, if the rule was that he had to play a game, and that's a promise you made to him to get him to sign. Then it's an issue. The dynamics for, yeah, that's a different issue, but since it's not an issue, yeah. it's not an issue. And boy, would that, would that have been, like... Would that have been a, a fan, uh, such an interesting quandary for this organization? Yeah. You have a coach who'd say, no, no chance I'm doing that. You got a GM going, uh, but we promised. Anyway, we won't have to get to that. So, well, you know, just, as a hypothetical, I think you got to keep your word, right? I mean, just in terms of the future, to, you know, players need to believe that promises are capped as an organization, whether yes. you're Flames or any team for that matter, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think you would almost have to do it. But since that's entirely a hypothetical, it doesn't apply doesn't matter. Pelche, uh, again, nobody's – I don't think – you don't hear, especially after Luchich got that big goal last night, you don't hear people screaming for him to get back in the lineup. I know people love him. They People would love to see him in the lineup. It, is it, to me, what's keeping him out of the lineup more than anything is is Walker Dewar being so damn good and such a, a cinch to stay in that lineup? I know they play different roles on different lines, but if you're going to pull anyone out of the lineup, it's not going to be Dewar anytime soon. Uh, I don't see Pelche getting in anytime soon unless there's an injury or I guess if they start losing some games. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this after the game last night. Like, I wonder if you inject a little bit of uh, some of the guys who haven't been playing, you know, get some like a Pelche back in the lineup tomorrow to give somebody a rest for the game against Winnipeg. But it, uh, the danger in that is that people's like they're looking past the Blackhawks and we just went over uh, the dangers of doing that. And the fact that the Flames have been burned no pun intended, multiple times this year in games against teams near the bottom, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps thinking past the game, the old trap game, as they say. So, And that this has all the markings of a trap game, except for the fact that Calgary understands the circumstances. They're in it, desperate for every point they can get. But it's very easy to focus on that game against Winnipeg and think the Blackhawks, you know, win over Chicago is a foregone conclusion. And if you start making changes to the lineup, um, you know, that maybe just subconsciously reinforces a trap game kind of mentality, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a possibility that you put some of the fresh legs in tomorrow and give some of your veteran guys a bit of a rest for the Jets on Wednesday. It wouldn't shock me if that happened, but, uh, but if you made me bet $5, I would say it's the same lineup we saw last night, unless Chris Tannen will go and he gets back in for somebody. Okay. One last one for Rick Ball. Uh, who's been the best player for the Flames this, this year? Um, I, and it's easy to say Tyler Toffoli because he's got the most points, but uh, I think he's been fantastic this year. You know, it's his career year. Um, he's scoring. It's not just that he's scoring. He's scoring key goals. Yeah. Right? His goals and, you know, in third periods and, and game winners and, you know, overtime goals. And he's been a clutch player for them on top of putting up the most points. Him and, and Lindholm are a real nice combination. You know, Michael Backlund's been fantastic. Um, he's had a, a, a terrific year as well for the Flames, but and, and he almost and sometimes you'll lean more towards the guy who plays center, and especially Backlund because he's such a good two-way player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, for my money, Toffoli's been a terrific player, and that's turned out to be a real good deal. I picked him up last year. You know, um, it just seems to me like he's he's found some new energy somehow for a guy on the other side of thirty in his career, and. Um, and, and and it's just been you know it's been when the Flames need something in terms of offense, he's been the guy more often than not has provided it. You can't overvalue how important it is, not just how many goals or how many points a guy gets, but when he gets them. 
and that's as impressive as anything to me in terms of how his game has gone this season. And I thought last night he made one of the best defensive plays of the evening, taking away a, a primo scoring chance uh, for the Ducks with, with a great back check as well. So he's been doing it all over the ice. And I'm with you. It's between him or Backlund. And uh, and, and you got to give it to, to Foley, though, just because those numbers are, are hard to fathom. I was, by the way, speaking, I was thinking when you were talking about the Foley and the LA Kings, I was thinking back to their first cup with Daryl as head coach in 2012. That was the year that Daryl took over. You know, they just got into the playoffs. Like, I don't know if it was the last night of the regular season or second the, last yeah second to last mm-hmm. they had not they had 95 points and then they went 16 and four huh. and won the cup are you now I, what well, are you no, saying I'm rick saying <laughs> I, i'm not saying anything because daryl sutter if you talk about that team like he talks about the depth they had down the middle and you know you can't compare them they're totally different teams obviously but having said that there used to be a time where just getting into the playoffs, like this is back in the day when 16 to 21 got in, you were the 16th seed, and you know you, it's going to be a cakewalk. I, I watched the Edmonton Oilers ragdoll the Vancouver Canucks back in the heyday, and I don't even know why they bothered playing. It was stupid. That's not the case anymore, right? I mean, to make the playoffs, and Sutter talks about this, to make the playoffs, like half the teams don't make it, right? You've got to be pretty good just to get in. Uh, and especially with the way the Western Conference looks this year, it's wide open. So... Um, you know, Flames can write for all the issues they've had this season. You know, all the all the all the bad breaks they've had, all the you know the problems they've had on the ice, and you know some of the controversy off of it. Um, a lot of that gets patched up if they make it in, and then it's a whole new season, and you can write a lot of things that have gone wrong in the regular season with a terrific run. So, um, you know, fingers crossed for Flames fans that this next five games puts them in the spot to be in the to be in the dance. Yeah. Agreed. And I think, you know, that's the, I think that the eighth seed is always so dangerous because they usually have to fight and claw their way just to get in, which means they come in with some momentum and confidence. And that's, you know, we're seeing the flames on, on the right on the, uh, the brim of doing that. And uh, if they can keep it going, yes, uh, I think it would be very interesting. I don't think people would go into the, the first round. If the flames were playing almost anyone except for Colorado, I don't think we'd be saying it's going to be eight days wasted, but if it is Colorado, <laughs> I'm not uh I think all bets are off. Either way, it'll be a fascinating, won't it? Yeah, can't wait to uh, see how it plays out. It's uh you know, it's always fun this time of year to have meaningful games. So, uh yeah. and that is certainly the case. Exactly. Rick, thanks. I appreciate your time, my friend. We'll see you down at the rink tomorrow. Okay, Eric, sounds good, buddy. Bye. Okay, there he is. Rick Ball, he brought to you on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Hotline, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery call 403-248-3344. Or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Ryan Leslie. We're going to have more Flames talk. Yes, Chris Tanev was skating again today. That's good news. We don't know exactly what it means in terms of his return to the lineup, but we'll talk about that and so much more with Ryan after the break. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, the Eric Francis Show continues. Second half of the show, Ryan Leslie, my colleague from Sportsnet. We will be doing the game tomorrow at the Dome against Chicago. It should be interesting. Not as interesting, perhaps, as the game the night after that when Winnipeg and Calgary will, well, I don't know if it's too much to say they'll essentially decide who's going to get the last playoff spot. It's not quite that simple. I get it. But it's going to go a long way towards deciding who's going to get that last playoff spot. But we'll get into all that and uh, and some stories from the road as well with Ryan Leslie. Thanks for joining me, my friend. How are you? Oh, Eric, I'm trying to eat lunch. What can I do for you? <laughs> Hey, uh, I don't want to disrupt your lunch, so we'll hey, keep this on, brief. Hold on, hold How, on. How's that wine-guzzling, steak-eating Rick Ball doing? He's fantastic. Did you listen to him earlier? No, you didn't. I did. Uh, truth be told, I, I caught a little bit of it. I was in my car. Uh, those uh, silky, dulcet tones of uh, of Rick, you can't ignore them. Uh, you can only hope to contain them. Hey, Rick Ball and Kelly Rudy... Okay, when we're on the road, let's get right down to it. When we're on the road, you got choices every night. Okay, who am I going to eat with? Where are we going to go? And the one thing you know, if you ever feel like steak and wine, you call Kelly or Rick because you know they've got 
a reservation already set up at the best steakhouse in the entire city, no matter what city we're at. Am I wrong? No, it's incredible how much steak a guy like Rick Ball, I don't know if this is good or bad radio, but I'm going to tell you a little secret about Rick Ball. That guy is single-handedly supporting Alberta beef. <laughs> um, it's insane. Like last, you know, a couple of days ago, I get on the plane. We're getting set to head to Vancouver. And, you know, it's a, it's a later lunch type of menu that they're offering, and it has steak. He goes, oh, I'm going to go with the steak on the plane. And he says, uh, I said, what? Did you have last? What did you do for dinner last night? Oh, we grilled up some steaks. And so he had steak the night before. He was having steak for lunch. And yes, he was grabbing a steak with some friends in Vancouver that night. It's impressive. And Kelly is right there. Uh, oh. They're riding shotgun for one another, both uh, crushing it uh, like it's the Last Supper. It's awesome to watch. <laughs> and they're not afraid of it. Two specimens, for sure. So you have to decide, okay, if I'm going to go out with those guys, then I've got to be prepared for a large T-bone or something like that. Ribeye. Those boys are ribeyes. They're ribeye. Kind of like you you mashed down the ribeye at Del, Del Forte's the other night when we were in Vancouver. Impressive amount of food. I, I felt like you've been training with those guys for the meal you just wolfed down. You know what? Joe Forte's was, um, was a Vancouver staple, I think, for a long time. I kind of went with the sentimental... Mm-hmm. Reservation. Uh, I don't know if it lived up to it, but it's a classic place. You got to get the seafood, a little oyster. It's fantastic. So yeah, I, I've been watching those guys, uh, you know, destroy menus for years. But it's pretty simple. Give me the red meat. Give me the red wine, and we'll call it an evening. I want to get into the flames in a little bit, but more important things. Let's talk about our visit the other night to the Roxy, because. It's such a legendary I we spot. Gonna, I thought we were agreed we weren't going to talk about that. Well, th- that's why I want to talk about it. It was like being the two guys, uh, uh, you know, at the uh, three hours after the prom, and you're still there. It was like uh, the 1980s have passed, but we're still living in it. We're the only ones in there. It was depressing. You could ride your bike around in there. The carpet, when you're sober, is disgusting. Oh. Um, the legendary place. We caught it on a bad night. We yeah. were there for all of five minutes, but uh, I, I feel bad speaking uh, poorly of that. So I think we just caught it on a bad night. We were there too early. David Spade was performing down the street, mm-hmm. and I happened to run into him as I got off the elevator at our hotel. He's just a tiny little guy. Yeah. He's just happy to be here. He had a smile. <laughs> hey, how's it going? You know, he's just that guy. <laughs> It was awesome. That sounded like him. That's not bad. Put in your pocket and take him to the Roxy if you wanted. Uh, well, yeah, but we wouldn't do that after what we just saw. I would. Then. I'd pick him right up and put him in my pocket. Yeah. He's, he's a, a cute on. little guy. Uh, yeah. w- when we're on the road, again, I want to stay with this theme. When we're on the road, one of the coolest things I'd say over the last five years where I've been tra- traveling extensively, as you have, is almost every time you get – now, you don't fly commercial. You think it's kind of cute that I have to fly commercial, but – I go, you know, so you just fly with like regular people you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I grid it out, you know, get down to the airport, go through security like everybody else. And uh, you mean got... on your seventh trip to Vegas. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you often run into Flames fans who are on either boys trips or they're there with their wife or they're or maybe they're on business, but they're going to marry it up with a with a Flames game. So you meet all sorts of really interesting people. Many times I've gone out and had beers with them while I'm in that city. You met an interesting fellow just the other night, didn't you, from Lethbridge? You know what? I, this is a neat story. I'm glad you asked. Let, Len Ring, he's an older gentleman, and I originally saw him when uh, we were doing that trip through California, right around Christmas time. And I was in the lobby of the uh, the hotel lobby, and I was heading uh, over to the Staples Center. And there's this gentleman there by himself with a Flames jersey on. And he stopped me, and he said, hey, how's it going? He's a really nice man. Um had the jersey on. I said, hey, how's it going? We introduced ourselves. He's, his name is Len Ring, and he's from Lethbridge. And he's a big Flames fan. I would say he's in his 70s. He had recently lost uh, his wife many, 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 many years. And he told me this story about how he, even during uh, COVID, remember when they had the, the cardboard cutouts of fans in the stands? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had put he had submitted a photo of his wife to be there, and she oh. had passed, but as longtimes Flames fans, um, he felt she was still there and keeping her, you know, as oh, representing cool. her and the Flames faithful in those in those uh, photos that were 
cutouts, essentially. I thought that was really neat. And so we got talking and he just said, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do this trip and I'm kind of dedicating it to her. And so he got on a train. He's from Lethbridge. He got, I think, over to Montana. He hopped on a train, went down the West Coast and by himself was paying this sort of special tribute to his wife. I thought it was wonderful. And uh, cool. he was there in L.A., he got himself over to Anaheim. Well, actually, he was in San Jose. I apologize. That's where I first saw him, uh, a brief interaction. And then we had our conversation in L.A. and then again in uh, Anaheim. And uh, we've kept in touch. And he just texted me last night uh, with a picture. He had uh, met Lanny McDonald, which was fascinating because obviously Lanny's a man of the people. And, and uh, he had just really made lens day with this and he sent me some photos they had a big embrace and no doubt some great stories between between two longtime hockey fans in lanny and lens so um to cool. see that he was making this road trip on his own by himself taking the train had some cancellations you know the trip kind of had some twists and turns you know it's an older gentleman and yet he was still representing uh his wife and you know it was really cool because uh, i told peter hanlon the uh uh, VP of Communications for the Flames' story. And sure enough, went out and uh, had some pictures. Uh, he went and got them signed by a couple of players and gave them to Len. And you could just see the joy it brought to him. So you're right about what you said at the top. You meet uh, Flames fans in all places, and it's wonderful. I know you're great at having those interactions with them. And it's such a special thing to see them either in airports or hotels or at the rinks or even out on the street. And uh, sometimes you get to know their story. And boy, is it ever cool when you find out just what the game still means to so many, young and old alike. And it's it's still galvanizing. It's still what brings us together. Yeah. To hear their I stories, agree. I think, is, is pretty wild as we get to enjoy it along the way. And, and Len's story is an interesting twist, you know, with his wife, because most of the people I run into on these trips, they, they, they're they on the trip because they want to get away from their wife. It's a boy's trip. And, and then, so they, they, it's not quite as sentimental, but it's still powerful for a lot of these guys. I'll never forget. Way to, way to put a little bow on that yeah. story, Francis. <laughs> way to ruin you it. Yeah. Uh, Len, if you're listening, I apologize. Who were who the guys we met? Oh, God. It, it, there were eight guys. We were uh, going from Buffalo no, we were going from Detroit to Buffalo, and I was waiting in the in the uh, you know for the flight, and they kind of came over and said hi, and I said, "You guys are on a boys' trip, and you're doing they're all Flames fans. You're doing Detroit Buffalo. Like, I got to be honest, guys. I'm sure you're having a blast, but that's the worst boys' trip I've ever heard of in my life in the like, history of are, the game. Are you Let's aware of Detroit and Buffalo? Right? Like, honestly, I couldn't <laughs> think of two worse back-to-back cities. And hey. I guess there are worse ones, but back-to-back, that's quite the one-two punch. Anyway, then they told me, yeah, we only have four cities left, and then we've been to every city yeah. in the national oh, Okay, okay, you're one of these those guys with the lists, and those are, that, those are interesting stories, see, too. you got to see Detroit, because I believe, and I will have a healthy debate with anybody on this one, that Detroit is the best uh, rink in the league, um, with apologies to nobody. Um, I think it is the very best. Now, Montreal has still got great sight lines, it still is right in the core. It means something. It's a great arena. It's getting older, mm-hmm. but Detroit, if you want, it's a tough one because you're like, well, what am I going to do in Detroit? And Detroit's an easy, you know, an easy place to knock. But I have obviously, some, I had some connections there. I, I did an internship back there years ago. And, you know, that area is close to my hometown and, and that rink and what they're trying to do there. I mean, just rink alone. Holy yeah. cow. It is, it is a thing of beauty can access the restaurants from inside and out um, the street, I mean, and as well as inside. So it's kind of, you know, when you're walking around that concourse, I don't know about you, but I've done a couple little hot laps. It's almost like you're in Yale town or something. It's got a vibe. Yeah. The brick and everything. It's so gorgeous. There's a nice healthy nod to nostalgia too, right? With the original Olympia sign from their arena with that, but that's two, two arenas ago uh, in beautiful statues of their greats. And you think about their history, like when you start real, like we all think about the obvious when you start thinking about the the true greats. But when you really do a deep dive on the good names of the past, uh, recent history, my God, Detroit is just full of talent and history, 
and success. And it really, really is neat uh, to revisit that because I think out West, you don't, you know, Detroit doesn't come top of mind for many things, but when you go back to the nineties and then you go back to, you know, how Del Vecchio, so many names, like it's right up to Zetterberg and Datsuk and, you know, the grind line and so Federoff and Iserman. I mean, it's, Mm-hmm. It's really a neat way, and they bring it all together nicely there. Yeah, they sure do, and 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 that is a road trip that is worth it just for that arena. I agree with you, and and I think I've said this on the broadcast several times that the people who designed the the arena here in Calgary, who've had a hand in designing it, you know the the design that we almost had um, before it was rudely interrupted, uh, <laughs> it, it, they they looked at Detroit and Montreal more than any other rink in the National. Yeah, Hockey those are the two you go to, and you say. Give me that. Whatever yeah. Montreal does, I think, you know, in most things, just do whatever Montreal does. If it's pageantry, if it's sight lines to broadcast the game, I don't care what it is. Just do that. And then from a decorative uh, aesthetic standpoint and fan enjoyment and experience, uh, throw in Detroit uh, architecture and, and beyond. It's, it's wonderful. So those are the two ones that really stand out for me. Um, and I, I hope whenever this conversation gets going and, and finalized, you know, they they look at those two examples. And I really think from a broadcast standpoint, from a fan experience standpoint, from, a, you know, aesthetics and city feel that we uh, that we capture it. I'm a big believer, too. I don't know about you, Eric, but I love when I see statues of the greats mm-hmm. in and around, uh, you know, in St. Louis, you got uh, their big names outside the arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly other examples come to mind, but inside in Detroit, you see them and, it, and it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I, I took that's my kids. One I'd love, I, you know, and that's the one I'd love to bat around with you. I don't know what now, but like the idea of, okay, if you're going to have statues outside of whenever this new arena event center comes either inside or out, we could agree. It's Lanny, Jerome, Vernie. Who else is in there? Well, I, I don't know. I, that That's an interesting one. I'm happy to have that discussion right now. It's Lanny. That's the first one you put up there. And Lanny and Jerome, hands down. That's Jerome, for sure. Yeah. And then after and, that, and, oh, I... Like St. Louis. St. Louis and their baseball players. They have four or five kind of scattered right outside the front gate. And they're not too big. They're not too imposing. And they're in mid-swing and that kind of thing. It's really cool in St. Louis, right outside uh, their ballpark. I, I wonder in Calgary, could you pull that off? And I think you've got guys. I, I really do. I think you've got some players here that you could celebrate that way. And how I'm great would it McKinnis be to see Lanny there. hoisting that cup with the mustache mm-hmm. and, and Jerome with that smile? I'm not sure which pose it is, but and and, and you got to put Mike Vernon there. You have to. Yeah, I'm putting McKinnis number three. I, I'm not saying Vernon St. doesn't. Louis, though he's in St. Louis. I'm not saying you're wrong, but he's already been immortalized. Well, Jerome Jerome doesn't live here either. I, you know, I don't no, think no, that's no, a no, criteria. No, I don't mean his residence. I mean he's in stat. He's there's a statue. I know, him. and it's and that, but that's what kind of makes me think of it. When I think of the St. Louis state statues, I think of the one of Al McKinnis. and uh, it doesn't mean he can't have one in both cities. I, I okay. don't know. All right. It, it, all anyway, right. that's a. I, to me, there's just the two statues, and the rest can have all sorts of other. They can have plaques. They can have banner raisings, whatever they want. Joe Noondike's got to be in that conversation to me. Um, I mean, if you really want to go deep, you could go into guys like Joe Mullen. I, I don't know how far you want to go, but they're, they're not statues to me. There's only two statues in Calgary, and, and you just named three. Them. I think there's three, and I think Mike Vernon is there, That's and I think Mike Vernon will make the Hall of Fame one day. Now, do people say he was Detroit? You know, I don't believe so. No, I he's think, Cal- I think he's yours. And, and he's I a Calgary kid. That's right, and I, he's yours, and I think you put him in there. Well, interesting. That's that's an interesting debate, hopefully. I'd love to know what the text line thinks, Eric, if I'm nuts or not, but I think those three are where you start. And I, how good would that look outside a new, beautiful arena? Okay, let's throw that on the text line, 960-960. If anyone's got some thoughts just on, on who and how many you'd have out there, I, I don't think anybody would disagree with the first two that we both agreed on. After that, I think it's a bit of a crapshoot. I think... You're gonna have people all over the map. Like there might be some people who throw out Kiprasov. I, I you know, and some right. people argue that Kiprasov was was the better goalie than than Vernon, but certainly not as decorated. Or is he as decorated? I know he doesn't I have two Vernie cups. He has a piece of hardware that the other doesn't. He won it twice, you know, and he won it here. That means a lot too. So I that's what I mean. It's so he won it here. interesting, you know. It, yeah, it's 
It is a very uh, that is an interesting debate. Okay, we'll we'll get some of the responses from the text line. Maybe Cam Cam, I don't I don't have the text line up here, but maybe you could read out a few of them or just give me the give me the sense of what, what people are saying. A couple of Mika mentions. Uh, someone said Bear. I don't think that's crazy either. I don't think Mika's crazy. Mm-hmm. Bearcat so Murray. Much to... Ooh, Bearcat. Ken King. Get what about a certain crispy? And Theo. Crispy. Theo is is uh, is a polarizing debate. One I don't know if we want to get into word. right now, but that's that's certainly a polarizing one. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. Kiprasov, you mentioned Vernon in the Hall of Fame, and he's running out of time. I don't I don't know if there's ever going to be a groundswell of support. I'm not saying he doesn't belong. I think goalies are underrepresented in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I think Vernie would be a guy. That would be right near the top of the list, if not the top of the list. Of it won't that... surprise me if there's a pitch coming for Mike Vernon. I would hope so, and I would I would like to think that you're right. Uh, you know, some of the Calgary allies that uh, that are on that committee might might agree with you. We'll we'll find out in time. Okay, can we just have a, a discussion a little bit about the local heroes right now? We've got like three minutes left. <laughs> uh, I reported earlier today. Chris Tanev was skating today. They the team had the day off. But a handful of guys got together and just skated, and he was one of them. I don't know what that means in terms of him coming back. I does I do think it squashes the thought that some people had that he might be shut down this season. Uh, you know, I I think his return is probably quite imminent. I'm not sure what you think. Uh, and I'm also, told, I was told last night um, that you might see him uh, in a game or two, a game or so. So in other words, knew he wasn't going to be last night, doubtful, but I can't help but think the guy comes down the tunnel in a cape, one finger in the air, a la Larry Bird against uh, Winnipeg, and comes in and uh, joins uh, the mates. Um, I'm with Rick on the theory that uh, it'll, it, will, it will be Stone that comes out, okay. and it will be uh, Stetcher that stays in. That's my personal belief. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great debate. They're both right-shot guys. You know, Stetcher... Maybe has a little more, obviously has a little more versatility because he played on the offside last night, which is a real feather in his cap. And I think people are loving this guy right now. And I think the coach likes him too. Uh, Listen, I got to jump in. And Michael Stone, I don't, honestly, Eric, he doesn't get enough love for what he is. And I know you guys pumped his tires and rightly so. This guy, and I asked him about this post game last night when he walked off, he was kind enough to join me. And, uh, this guy not only has that bomb, but what a good soldier. He gets dealt bad hands routinely, be it contractually, you know, bought out, go down, come back up, a new contract, sit, watch, injury, blood clot, back, new deal, uh, no, you know, long-term certainty, comes back in after 20 games last night, lets one rip, game winner, boom, pack up your stuff, game's over. Um I just can't say enough about what a professional and what a fine young man and dad and just a good dude all around. Hell of a golfer too. Gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Go- big, big baseball guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and just a, a real treat to deal with, uh, away from it all. Um, so I think that guy is, is one that flames fans. I think have embraced. He's obviously embraced being here and doesn't want to go elsewhere. It would appear, but I don't know. I just think, I think you need guys like him, and I don't know as though there's a lot of those guys out there. So everybody, including you, you're never happy for anybody. I know even you were smiling last night when he got that one. Okay, slow and down. That was, <laughs> and and I think that was uh, I think that was just the, the, a great story, and and you love a good story. Oh and, man, it was a great and story. and that story continues to write itself, and he should be really uh, proud of the way he you know, carries himself, conducts his business and, you know, love to see guys get rewarded. Right. And, and I know it's been tough sledding for uh, uh, Milan Lucic and you feel great. What a beautiful shot that was last yeah. night. So two guys who you kind of hope will find it. And it was neat to hear. And I think it was to your question to Tyler Toffoli last night. I could be wrong on that, but just, he said, no, we, we count on this. We're not surprised. We do count on everybody to carry the mail night in, night out. And you just know, after a win like that, there's a lot of people feeling good inside that locker room. Yeah, and and to tie a nice bow on top of all of it, wasn't it beautiful, the, the beautiful words that uh, Daryl Sutter had when we asked him about Michael Stone? He always gets so sentimental uh, and, and, and just so appreciative of, of a Michael Stone and, and the good soldier that he is. 
uh, it always seems that every time we ask about that, whenever Stone has a, a great moment, the coach just says, "Yeah, well, that that that's why he's that's why we have him on the roster. That's his job." And last night, what did he say? It was a great decision to put him in. Next question. Emotional. Okay. I'm getting emotional over here. Beautiful. Yeah, misty eyed. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so I, I think it would be easier for this coach to pull Stone out of the lineup, probably given all that you just said. Um, I think that people love him. He's the people's choice. But Stetcher's also growing on people quite quickly. So I don't think Ooh. people think there's a wrong answer here. Uh, yeah. I think that, that this team's lucky that they'll have those two choices. And it's pretty interesting that here we are, you know, if you go into the playoffs, you're going to need that depth. And uh, and, and they they have it again because for a while there, they were basically down to four defensemen. And, and no disrespect to guys like Dennis Gilbert because I know he's popular too. But, you know, yeah. they were reaching pretty deep. And people were wondering, geez, if we get another injury, what happens then? Anyway, yep. we, we got to run. I got to go. Thanks for your time, my friend. Get back to your lunch. And uh, we'll see you down at the rig tomorrow to see if this team can continue to surprise and react the right way against a bottom feeder like the Chicago Blackhawks. Because that's been the question for the la- well for the whole season. Will they show up the right way against a team that they can't look past? Looking forward to it and looking forward to uh, you joining us on the broadcast tomorrow. Can't wait. You too, my man. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. You got it. Bye-bye. Okay, there he is, Ryan Leslie. Great storyteller, great guy. And, uh, man, can he throw down a a T-bone. I couldn't believe how much he was eating the other night. Uh, He's in great shape, and he, every time, more oysters? What? Side salad? What? And a T-bone? What? I love it. I I salute him. Okay, we got to go. It's the Eric Francis Show. We do it every Monday from noon until 1 o'clock. Please join us again next week where we uh, focus on storytellers. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Stay tuned. Make sure you listen to, dare I say, the greatest show on the on the station. Is that Can I say that logo? It's a little over the top, but Logo will be here. Lou will be here. Lots of stuff to talk about. Enjoy the show, and we'll listen. To you. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.